What could come next for Oregon running back Travis Dye? Oregon women's basketball made it a perfect 4-0 stretch against top 10 teams. How about that as they beat UConn? Plus, a couple of mailback questions. We get to it all. Busy day. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. Remember to like and subscribe if you have not already. It's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every weekday. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Visit Sonos.com to learn more. As I said yesterday, my parents have one of those. I really like those Sonos soundbars. I am a fan. You know what else I'm a fan of? Watching Oregon make history and get in the wow subsection on SportsCenter on the bottom line. Because the women's basketball team, all they did today was come out and punch UConn of all teams in the mouth. Now, to be fair, UConn was missing their top two players. But the context that you should have when considering that fact is that if you are a great team that is capable of playing at a high level, when another great team is missing its top two players, you should beat them very badly. This game, after a 10-0 start by the UConn Huskies, wasn't really that close. (laughs) I mean, it was awesome. And Kelly Graves and Dana Altman, as a duo, are as good of basketball coaches as you're going to find in the entire country. I mean, they just went 4-0 against top 10 teams in five days. And the Oregon women now have a winning streak against the greatest women's college basketball program in, in, in history. I mean, that is astonishing. They've won two in a row. They won the year when uh, the season got canceled, and that team with Sabrina Ionescu might have won a national championship. But unfortunately, we'll never know. But I tell you what, the Ducks had a double-digit lead at the half. Then they came out with a purpose in the second half. They put them away early. This game was over in the third quarter. They, they, just, they were making everything, hustling at the defensive end. I mean, it was sensational, a really well-rounded game. And a win like this means if you get into the tournament, you can beat anyone on any given night. The only downside was Sabali got hurt. And we hope she's okay. The the early reports are that she should be all right. But we don't know anything definitive as I'm recording this. But she got helped back into the locker room with no weight on her knee. She's had a couple of ACL issues. You just hate to see that. It's the worst part of sports. She's got to be okay because she's been a big part of this team. But, you know, even after it, well, when she went down, the game was already over. But this Oregon team, man, they, they, these basketball squads, they are coming together and they are starting to be really, really fun to watch. Can't wait to keep following them here on the pod. So yesterday I said that I didn't want to get to Travis Die until things had sort of settled down. And. I can't say right now, you know, what the impact is going to be on Oregon's running back room, 
if Travis Dye leaves, because we don't know if Travis Dye is going to leave, right? He's in the transfer portal, but as we've seen with the Ducks this year, just because a guy is in the portal does not mean he's necessarily going to leave. Maybe he just wants to see what his other options are, see what other teams are are interested in him as a running back, and why shouldn't they be? I mean, he led the NFL, or the NFL, he led the Pac-12 in scrimmage yards this year. He was really, really good after C.J. Verdell went down with an injury, <laughs> right? He still, for a few games, had to split carries with Verdell, and he wasn't even the number one guy until, until, until Verdell got hurt. So I, I didn't see this coming. I, I really did not. When I saw the news, Travis dies in the transfer portal, I was taken aback, like did a double take on what I was reading. Like, whoa, that Travis die? Where was that coming from? Because we all thought that Travis Dye was waiting to make a decision on whether to go to the NFL, not whether or not he would go to another team. I mean, this is catching all Duck fans completely off guard. And again, it is still possible he could come back to Oregon. I have no inside information or an inclination, really, about whether or not he will come back or whether or not that's even a possibility at this point in time. But what I do know is I, I think after thinking about it, I know why he entered the portal. And I will tell you why after I tell you about Bet Online because they want to wish you a happy betting new year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today, use your promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit for football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, so my first reaction was probably a lot like your first reactions when. I heard that Travis Dye went to the portal. Why? Why would he go? And then I had some time to, to process it, digest it, think about it, and just looking, without even knowing or having heard anything about where he could end up, why he would enter the portal, I think fundamentally comes from something that I've talked about on this show before, which is Oregon has a very deep running back room. And <laughs> Look, last time I said something like this, it turned out that one of the guys went into the portal, but Travis Dye leaving, potentially, makes it seem more likely that C.J. Verdell is going to stay with the Ducks. I'm not going to try and predict what's going to happen there. I'm just saying it does make it seem more likely, because... The reason that I ultimately came down on as to why Travis Dye would want to leave is, you know, besides the fact that there's a new staff coming in and, you know, maybe he does want to go to Miami and follow Coach Cristobal and Coach Mirabal and, you know, the, the guys that he originally committed to play college football for. But I think more than anything, he wants to be a number one running back at the college level because he's not a guy... 
I, I really don't believe he will go to the NFL, especially now that he's in the portal. There's, there's a very, very slim chance he would end up going to the NFL. So if he wants to make it in the NFL, he has to prove as a little guy that he's durable enough because that's going to be a big question, right? Is if you're a small guy, can you carry the load for multiple seasons as the number one running back, not get hurt, and continue to be effective? He's got the pass-catching ability. He's got that little stutter step that is good enough to play at the next level. I think he's just tough enough. I don't know if he's big enough. That's up to the discretion of NFL scouts and GMs. But what I do know is that if he has another great college football season, he's going to up his draft stock. But if he's not a number one running back and he's splitting carries with a bunch of other guys, he limits his personal upside. And so looking at Oregon, if he is thinking that C.J. Verdell will come back, at the very least, they're going to be you know, 1A and 1B in the offense. And he wants to be a number one running back. And frankly, he deserves that. He earned that right this year. He was Oregon's best offensive player in the 2021 football season. I don't know if that's a hot take, but I think Oregon fans understand that pretty darn well because he was sensational and he was our leading receiver in multiple games, both in reception number and yards, right? He, he would have, you know, these games where he's seven catches for 76 yards and Anthony Brown at times this year struggled to get the ball to wide receivers and or tight ends. And he threw to the running backs a lot. And that was Travis Dye. He was there. So Dye wants to be a number one guy. And look, if I were on the coaching staff, of course I am not. And as I'm watching SportsCenter on silent in the background right now, the wow on the bottom line is Oregon basketball wreaks havoc for a week. And that is just awesome. Gosh, that is good. Anyway, that was an aside. And Die wants to be a number one back, and he's certainly capable of doing that, but he, he wouldn't have that at Oregon because if Fredell is coming back, and even if guys like Sean Dollars are there, or you know, Seven McGee is getting some carries from time to time, if you look at it from Travis Dye's perspective, he's probably limiting the upside that he's got to showcase his skills as a feature back. And I would rather have Verdell, or excuse me, I would rather have Travis Dye than Verdell. If I were on the coaching staff, I, I just would. That's me. I think he's more versatile and better at making guys miss in space. Though I think Fredell is good. I just, if I had to choose between the two, who I would want as my number one guy, I'm taking Travis Dye. I think he can do a little bit more, but Verdell projects as a better pro prospect. So that's a fascinating dynamic, but I, I really think that's the reason is Oregon's got a bunch of guys. Oh, and I forgot to mention Byron Cardwell is in there as well. There's just so many backs that, that could take carries away from him that if he's looking at it from a perspective of what's in my best interest to get to the NFL, which I'm sure is his dream as it is for most of these guys, then he wants a situation where he can be the clear-cut number one back, put up great stats, and show what he can do as he did this year, and he might not be able to find that at Oregon because the running back room is so deep and, and so amazingly talented, which is a good thing for Oregon fans, but not necessarily in the best interests for, for Travis Dye. Now with Trey Benson's departure, if Travis Dye does end up leaving Oregon and doesn't come back, then a guy to watch out for 
is Colorado running back Jarek Broussard. His name is in the transfer portal. He was the 2020 Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. He averages over five yards a carry for his career, but 4.7 this past season. Didn't have as many carries as he wanted to. So familiar with the conference, clearly capable. That would be a pretty a pretty pristine target to to replace Travis Dye and you know complement C.J. Verdell and Byron Cardwell and and Sean Dollars and you know you never hope that any of them are going to get hurt, but you want to be ready when uh, that unfortunately seems to just inevitably happen, especially with with running backs. You can never have too much depth at, at that position. But okay. Let's get to a couple of mailbag questions. Remember, if you want a question answered right here on the show, use the hashtag AskLODPod. Hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or the Locked on Ducks Twitter account at Locked on Ducks. couple questions today that I will dive into from at Duck Demon, who had some pretty wild calligraphy in his, uh, in his Twitter handle. But you know what? Everybody's got their own style, and that's okay. And here's what he had to say. Dan Lanning wouldn't go back to his alma mater, which is you know a D2 school, William Jewell College in Missouri, like Cristobal and Taggart. And Taggart didn't go to FSU, but we always knew it was his dream job. But the question from Duck Demon is, what programs should we watch out for in terms of vacancies besides the obvious Georgia, Bama, and Clemson? I know this is not necessarily what Duck fans want to hear or think about, in a time where we haven't even seen Dan Lanning coach a game, but it, it, we've had our eye on Miami for the last several years for this very reason. And it's just the reality of college football. I love Dan Lanning. I think he can do really well at Oregon. I hope he does. I hope he wins you know, the next 10 national championships with the Ducks. I hope he's you know, a 20-year guy that ends up having just an incredibly successful run. But you have to be realistic with with this kind of stuff and understand you know where he comes from and where his roots are and you know what jobs we should monitor and you know kind of root for in passing as as we try to you know hopefully keep him around if he's a guy who we want to keep around and you know i i really do think that he's someone who who can succeed at oregon but the obvious ones that you point out georgia bama clemson i don't even think those are that obvious in terms of whether or not they would hire him now it's certainly possible like georgia is the most obvious one right but kirby just won a national championship and it was not a lightning in a bottle season like ed orgeron at lsu and kirby played at georgia so he can have that job as long as he wants and all he's done since taking over there is win games he he doesn't i'm not worried about kirby smart going to the nfl he feels like a college guy he, he played at Georgia, so that seems like it'd be his dream job. I, I don't think we have to worry about Georgia for a, a long, long time. I think Kirby Smart really, really knows how, how to coach football. So I think we can you know, not worry about that. I'll get to the other programs that could be uh, or should be perhaps on Oregon fans' radar in the coming years. Remember, this is not necessarily a, a this year sort of, uh, sort of matter to discuss, but I, I think it is worthy of discussion. That's why I'm talking about it here on the show. But first, it's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. You want to eat healthy, but it gets too boring. By week three, you just want the chocolate. So Built Bars 
conveniently, are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most built bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein, which is a lot better nutritionally than a candy bar. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, in the office, at the secret places in your car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats. Replace them with Built Bars. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, so I don't think that Georgia is going to be an issue. Other schools in the SEC, that would seem the most likely place that, that that would try to to hire him away because it's where Dan Lanning came from originally. You know, I, I really don't even think Clemson would be in the mix. I think Clemson would go back to try to get uh, Brent Venables or their former OC. But but again, D- Dabo Sweeney is not going anywhere and neither is Nick Saban, right? Saban is 70 years old, but he shows no signs of slowing down. So I, I, I don't think that's a possibility and even Lanning he was a graduate assistant at Alabama he, he wasn't even a, a coordinator there so I don't think he would really be at the top of Alabama's list right he doesn't have a, a big history with the school like Georgia would be the one that, that stands out the most but as I said I don't think Kirby Smart is is really going anywhere I think the number one SEC school where we could be talking about this in a few years is LSU because LSU has shown a propensity to fire head coaches really fast even if they have succeeded so if Brian Kelly goes there and wins at a high level and then a couple years later it starts to go off the rails LSU has proven with Ed Orgeron and with Les Miles that you don't have to you have to do more than just win right you have to win at an exceptionally high national championship level and that that would be one to keep an eye on. I think Brian Kelly works at LSU, but in the off chance that that it doesn't, the landing doesn't have any ties to LSU. It could be just a candidate. And and again, you, you don't have to panic about any of this because none of these schools would even want to hire Dan Landing unless he proves that he can win at a high level, right? So even if you know, let's say uh, he lasts as long as Mario Cristobal and he goes four years. If an SEC school is going to try and hire him, he has to have won like 10, 11 games a year, probably made an appearance in the college football playoff. So that wouldn't be all bad news for Oregon fans. Florida is another school to watch out for because they fired Dan Mullen, who had done a lot of good things at, uh, down in Gainesville with the Gators. So the the bar is you know much like LSU it's pretty high there in Florida I didn't think they should have fired Dan Mullen I understand he had some you know bad comments at uh, at the podium and whatnot but uh, you know with regards to recruiting and all that was not great but I think schematically Dan Mullen is really really smart and you know he won a lot of games while he was at Florida and I wouldn't have let him go we'll see how Billy Napier does so Florida could be uh, another one to potentially keep your eye on but. Those would be the schools that that I think would be the most likely. You know, I mean, is it possible a school could come out of nowhere in, in four or five years after landing is, you know, one, 10, 11, 12 games a year or whatever it ends up being? Sure, but 
given his background, it'd be most likely he'd go back to the SEC. At Duck Demon had another question uh, that I will answer here on the show. And again, you can have that too if you just go to at smalls underscore 55, hit me up in the DMs, or use the hashtag AskLODPod, just like Duck Demon is having done right now. You can get your questions uh, answered here on the show. The new staff seems loaded with talent, I agree, but also with big personalities and egos. Could it be a bit unwieldy and hard to manage for a young, first-time head coach who might be butting heads and can Lanning handle it? So, I don't know any of these coaches personally. You know, you can read things here and there, like uh, Lapoy kind of butted heads a little bit with Nick Saban while he was at Alabama, but all the greats are are difficult to get along with, right? I mean, I don't think anyone has written a bunch of pieces about Jeff Bezos, about how wonderful of a guy he is, and he's so easy to work with and such. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing in coaching. Belichick can be hard to get along with. Saban can be, you know, a little uh, a little grussly, uh, if that's even a word. I might have made that up. I don't know. Sounded right. You know what I'm trying to say. So, I'm not going to speak about any of these guys personally, so I'll just kind of look big picture on it. Do you remember the last dance when we had no sports, but then we had the last dance, and it was just a godsend for sports fans, and it was awesome? The thing that stood out the most to me about that documentary was Phil Jackson, but not the triangle offense. That wasn't the thing that impressed me the most. It was how he managed the personalities on that team. Think about it. You had Michael Jordan, who was the face of the league. Scotty could be a handful, as we know. Dennis Rodman, I just have to say his name, and you think of a million crazy things that, that come to mind, because it's Dennis Rodman, and that, that, that guy is an interesting character. But he had to manage all of that. So it, it's definitely a big part of coaching. There, there's no doubt about that, because you have to manage not just the personalities of your players, but of your coaches as well. Everyone has to work cohesively as a unit. And as the head coach, your primary responsibility is getting the coaches and the players to play and coach at their best. And to do that, they've got to be able to get along. Is it going to be a challenge? Yes. Does that mean Lanning is not capable of it? No. But it's one of those things that we are not really going to see or even maybe even hear about as fans very much. But it is definitely going to be taking place behind the scenes because it's such a critical part of coaching. You have to be able to to maximize the potential of the people that are under you, right? If you watch the show Billions, you know that like Wendy Rhodes' character, for example, right? She's the, the office shrink for Axe Corp or for Axe Capital. She's there to get the best out of everyone who works there. And that's what Dan Lanning has to be able to do, right? Is he's got to get the coaches to, you know, sell their vision to the players. The players have to buy into that and everyone does have to gel and get along. It's definitely a part of coaching. I haven't seen anything to indicate that Dan Lanning can't handle it, but he is a young guy and I'm sure he will face challenges as a head coach and there will be growing pains, but ultimately if you're able to get everyone to gel together, then the product on the field will reflect that. So if what we see as fans is not up to par with what we want, then 
there will probably be justifiable questions to ask about, you know, hey, is this guy really working out? Or is this really the, the right hire here? Is this guy this? Those will come in time. But in the abstract, it's, it's not something I can say one way or the other. Landing is or is not going to be able to do. But if, if we start to see the results that we want, then I think you'll get an indication about how all of that is going. But great questions. Keep them coming. I want you to be as involved with this show as possible. As I said from the beginning, I do the show for you, the fan. Thank you, Duck Demon, for the questions. I appreciate everyone listening. I will see you tomorrow. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.